tonight we're talking about Peter, like Steve said. Um, this guy's pretty unique. He's got he's got a really cool story. Um, and hopefully I don't step too much on what Steve was planning on saying next week, especially since he's dipping out to go see his family right now. Um, but I guess if you're here next week and you're like, yeah, Ryan said that. Yeah, Ryan said that. Yeah, Ryan said that. Then that means me and Steve are of the same mind and I'm doing a pretty good job, right? Um, no, Peter, Peter in this story... Um, it's, it's a really, really cool uh, view to look at the life of Peter. If you're not familiar with Peter, he is one of the most common characters that we see come across in the New Testament. Um, he wrote a few books of the Bible. Um, we see him through the Gospels. Uh, Paul even writes about him in a few of the New Testament letters as you're kind of reading through Galatians and stuff like that. You see Peter come up. He's, he's all over the book of Acts. Like Peter is a really, really important person that we read about in the New Testament. Um, but where we read the bulk of Peter's story is in the Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we read about the life of Jesus, um, and, and we kind of get these different accounts of Jesus's life, Peter is a huge part of that story. Um, now, not that Jesus needed Peter, not that Jesus needed, needs any of us. Like God does not need us. Um, God is, he's omnipresent. So God is, is everywhere. He's omnipotent. He is all powerful and he is omniscient. He is all knowing, right? God is not relying on what I do. It's not like if I make decisions tonight that that can change the course of history forever. And God's like, Oh no, what am I going to do? Um, Rebecca, my wife and I, we were actually watching a TikTok um, like 20 minutes ago. Um, while we were waiting for our food to be ready. And this, this comedian was talking about how this guy in youth group in high school dumped her because God told him to. And she was like, that was pretty messed up of God. And like, just kind of the way she talked about it, like God was really distracted, like Hurricane Katrina was happening. And I'm from Louisiana, so Hurricane Katrina is like a real thing for me. But he was distracted by this guy. And he's like, oh, dude, you need to break up with her. I'm going to worry about New Orleans later. And then like the most expensive natural disaster to ever hit American soil happened because God was distracted. That's, and like, I saw this TikTok and I'm like, man, that's pretty funny. But that's not how it works at all. God is not relying on us. God doesn't need us. And you guys apparently didn't think that story was funny at all. And that is okay. Um, you're like, where are you going with this, Ryan? Like, that's, that's not how God operates. God doesn't need us. Instead, God chooses to use us. God uses us as part of his story. So when I talk about the life of Peter, okay, because we're going to talk about, about some things Peter did and some things Peter said. I want you to remember that God is everywhere. He is all-powerful and he is all-knowing because that is the baseline for the story that we're going to tell tonight, okay? I want you to remember these things about Peter because, or about God, because Peter is pretty much the exact opposite of God. And you guys are probably like, well, isn't the devil the opposite of God? Well, yeah, and Peter's not the devil, but, but that ties in. Just Pay attention. You'll see it, and you'll be like, oh, there it is. He got there. Um, Peter um, can only be in one place at a time because he is a human being. He was super limited in his own power and abilities because he's human, um, and, and he is far from all-knowing. Peter is so far from all-knowing. Peter actually is super reactionary because he... Like, if you read through the Gospels, it seems time and time again, like, Peter has no idea what's going on. Like, he just kind of, like, says something, and it, like, falls out of the hole in his face, and he can never get that thing back. And, like, I'm sure 
like sometimes when we read scripture, we read it as like, oh, these are like ancient people. And like, they were all super stoic at all times. Like Jesus just walked around and was just like, mm, sinner, sinner, here is my grace. Like, no, Jesus was a person, guys. Like Jesus had friends. He hung out. Jesus, Jesus like hung out and had dinner with his friends. Jesus went fishing. Jesus was like a normal guy. Jesus may have even played pranks on people. Now, like not mean pranks, because that would be sin. But like Jesus probably like trolled his friends a little bit. And we see Jesus' sense of humor at different points in scripture. And one of the, one of the people that we see him interact with the most is Peter. And, and it's a lot of it because of his like reactions. Now, some of us in this room are super reactionary. Something happens and we just do it. Or maybe you're like super spontaneous. Anybody like really spontaneous? Like you get the opportunity to do something like, hey, we're going to go on a road trip. I know it's 3 a.m., but you want to get in the car and go? And you're like, yes. Do I have to brush my teeth first? Like, yeah, like you just kind of do things. You're spontaneous. And I'm not saying that being spontaneous is a bad thing because it's not. But with a guy like Peter, he acts first and then thinks later. And that can get us into some trouble, right? If you've ever been there, you can, you can kind of get into trouble when you just kind of like do things and then think about it later. Some of us, we bounce from hobby to hobby or friend group to friend group. Or maybe you get serious FOMO. You're like, oh, I wish I was doing that. So you will drop everything to go do this thing. I've got a friend like that who literally... Like there was something happening in San Diego. So he drove to San Diego because he wanted to be a part of it and then didn't have enough money to drive back to Eugene from San Diego. So what did he do? He just lived in San Diego for a little while and got a part-time job and then made some money to drive back. And I was like, dude, this is insane. How do you live like that? He's like, oh, I don't know. I just guess I didn't really think about how much money it costs to take a road trip across the country. And I'm like, yeah, you think? Peter, Peter is kind of this way. Peter just kind of like, and it just happens. Um, the things that, that he did, the things that he said, like you, you don't get those back. And I think we've all probably been there. I can think of multiple instances through high school and college where I would just say something and then pay the price for it very soon after. Um, some of those stories are very inappropriate. So I'm just not going to share those because part of that time, like I just didn't know who Jesus was. I, I've said things that like, at, like I can like see them like in a, it's a comic book and you can see in comic sans you're saying this thing. And it's like, well, that's out there forever. That is out that that doesn't go away. I um, Steve left. I, uh, I'm, he told me that today that he was going to be leaving. But but when I wrote this, um, I thought I was going to be here. There's this this time a couple summers ago. Um, we were having college outside at University Park just down the street over here. And I was on the phone with my wife standing on the merry-go-round. You guys know what a merry-go-round is? Okay. I was standing on the merry-go-round talking on the phone and I had just kind of like kicked it and I'm like slowly spinning around. And I'm talking on the phone to Rebecca, blah, blah, blah. My friend Danny runs up and Danny just like throws this merry-go-round and I'm holding on, standing on it like this. And I'm just talking on the phone and it's like, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then as soon as I try and like stabilize myself, I pick up a foot and I just eat it. Boom, right on the merry-go-round. It's this big metal, like it sounds like a gong. Like, boom. And I would like to say that the word that came out of my mouth 
was not a four-letter word. And I would like to say that while I was standing in front of my boss, your pastor, the road that, word that came out of my mouth was a little bit more appropriate than it was, but it was not. And my wife, I can hear her on the phone, what happened? And not only was Steve right there, like right next to me, but he's with his wife and his kids. And this word that starts with an S and has some more letters in it came out of my mouth. And I grabbed the phone and I was like, hey. And she's like, what happened? And I was like, sorry, I just showed a cuss word in front of Steve and his kids. And Steve looks at me and does what every pastor would do. He starts cracking up laughing. Like, <laughs> he's not like, I can't believe. Like, no, he's, he thought it was hilarious. And he was like, dude, that's so funny. Um... I was way more concerned with the fact that the word that came out of my mouth was something that I was reacting to, right? I was not worried if I was hurt at all. Like I was way more concerned about the fact that I just cussed in front of my pastor and my boss um, at college group. Like th that was way more important. I was, I was spinning, I was dizzy and like, it's gonna happen. I was reacting to the situation at hand, right? We've, we've all done that sort of thing. Um, you know, sometimes when, when we are not expecting something, we just make bad decisions. Like, raise your hand if you know how to drive in the snow. Okay, three of us in here. I'm going to teach you guys something. The number one rule when you're driving in the snow is to not slam on your brakes. And I'm from Louisiana. So you know when I learned how to drive in the snow? I didn't learn how to drive in the snow. I just kind of figured it out. The first time I ever drove in the snow, you know what I did? I slammed on my brakes because a dog walked out in front of my car. Now, I didn't hit the dog, but I was real close, real close. And I just am sliding through the snow, no control over my car. I know better. I know I'm not supposed to slam on my brakes in the snow. See, people had told me that, but I was reacting. This thing had come up, and I was not ready for it. So I just, I just did what felt natural. And sometimes that gets us into trouble. Sometimes it, it hurts. Like, it physically will hurt us. And I think about both of those, those situations right there. Um, and I, I just kind of lost sight of what I knew was right. Of what, like, I, I knew better, but, but I was just reacting to these different things. And that's, that's kind of the MO. That's the profile of Peter. You see this over and over and over again. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard a pastor or a youth pastor making fun of this guy named Peter who always has his foot in his mouth. He's always saying the dumb thing. Like, like we see that over and over through scripture. And I don't think that's an accident. That's not an accident. Jesus was very intentional when he goes and he calls Peter and James and John and he calls these fishermen, these brothers and these friends, and he says, hey, come and follow me. It's not an accident of like who. Jesus chose to call to be his disciple. He was very intentional about that. And Peter was not just like one of the disciples. Peter, as we see in scripture, is probably Jesus's closest friend. He is one of the disciples, but he, he's one of like the closest Peter, James, and John. Those are like the inner three. And of those, we see more about Peter than anybody else. And I mean, like, we, there's like, there's a list of, of verses that we could go through throughout scripture that just kind of show how Peter reacts and, and how he just makes these kind of these dumb decisions. And I'm not going to read all of them because that would take forever. But I do, I do want to kind of look at just a few of them. Um, there's one in Matthew chapter 14. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, you've got a Bible and you want to open it up. Matthew chapter 14. Um, we're going to start reading in verse 20, 28, but to, to kind of fill in a little bit. The disciples, Jesus' disciples, were waiting for him 
and they were going to get in this boat and cross this, this lake, but Jesus wasn't there yet. So they kind of got tired of waiting for Jesus, and they get in the boat, and they start, like, sailing out across the lake. And it's nighttime, and Jesus isn't with them, and all of a sudden, they see this figure walking on water. On water? What's that? On water. That. He's walking on water out across the lake, and they see him, and they're like, who's that? And Peter realizes this is Jesus, and he says, if it's you, Lord, command me to get out of the boat. He says this in verse 28. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. How cool is that? He's walking on water. In verse 30, it says, but when he saw the wind, now I've never seen wind. You see like trees blowing in the wind. Like you see water rippling in the, like you don't like see wind. So I don't know why it says that, but he says it's, he saw the wind. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I want you guys to think about that for a second. Jesus is walking on top of the water to you in the middle of a lake. And you say, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to get out and walk on the water and I'll be able to do it. And Jesus says, come on. And you get out of the boat and you're walking on water. You're, you're literally doing this thing that's impossible for anybody who is not God. Not only is Jesus doing something that is impossible for other people, he has invited you into doing this thing that is insane, that is crazy, that has never been done before. Jesus is walking on water. Peter gets out and he's walking on water. And I can only imagine that Peter's probably like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Like he is so excited. And then he sees the wind somehow. And it says he starts to doubt and he's afraid. And he starts freaking out and he starts sinking because he lost his faith. Remember, Peter is not the one who is not like, I'm going to walk on water and steps out and does it. Because if you were on a boat and you're like, I'm going to walk on water, you put one foot over and you just bloop, like right down to the bottom. Like you don't walk on water in your own power. He's doing this 100% in his faith in Jesus. He said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to do this and I'll be able to do it. So Jesus is like, let's go, let's do it. And he's doing it. And then he gets nervous. He starts freaking out. He's reacting. Oh man, there's the wind. Like, what if the wind takes me out? Dude, you're standing on water because Jesus just said you could. And he starts to sink. And he says, Jesus, help me. Like, Lord, help. And did you guys catch that little, that little rebuke that Jesus got in there saying? And he says, Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? That is a roast right there. And that's not me like being like, dude, you need to buck up and start reading your Bible. This is Jesus. This is the son of God saying, why do you have such little faith? Why are you doubting in me? You literally just said, Jesus, if you say I can do this, I can do this. And here you are because of a little bit of wind, because the situation has changed slightly. You have lost all faith in me. And then Jesus not only helps him back into the boat, but then Jesus, it says the wind ceased. I want you, I want to be really clear here. Jesus stopped the wind. 
Because the God that we believe in is not just the God of walking on water or turning water into wine. The God that we believe in created the earth and everything that we have. He created the universe that we live in. He tells the wind what to do. He tells mountains to move. This is the son of God who's fully God in his own right. And Peter gets nervous. And Jesus is you of little faith. Jesus puts him in the boat. The wind stops and they, then they worship him. Truly, you are the son of God. Have you guys ever met somebody who said, I'll believe in God when he gives me like a sign. Like when he shows me who he is, I'll believe in God. In this moment right here, Jesus doesn't just show that he's God by walking on water himself. He invites Peter to walk on water with him. Think about that. Like how undeniable an experience that might be. And if you've had an experience with God where you're like, man, God, God really showed up for me and that changed the way that I see him. This, this has got to be one of those experiences right here where you don't walk away from that going, well, I don't really know if Jesus is like real or like, no, like you just walked, you just walked on water. You just walked in the middle of this giant lake, Peter. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the Redeemer. This is the God that you serve right here. Peter got his proof. And after that proof, he was still like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't trust. Like, think, think about that. Think about him just reacting. Instead of leaning on what he knows, leaning on the relationship that he has with God. Oh, it's windy. I don't know if I can keep doing this. He wasn't doing it on his own power to begin with. A few chapters later in Matthew 16, um, verse 15, we see this, uh, this other interaction with Jesus and Peter. Um, it says, he said to them, this is Jesus. He said, but who do they say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Think about this. Jesus' closest followers recognize that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Redeemer. He is the Savior. He is the person that they have been waiting on for generations and generations and generations. And how does Jesus respond to that? I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't sound like something that Jesus would offer somebody who has no belief. No, there is a relationship. There's a bond between those two. Yes, Simon, you are right. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Kind of like when you were in like fifth grade and you would answer a math problem correctly and your teacher would throw you like a Tootsie Roll. But like this Tootsie Roll is from heaven. I don't know if there's going to be Tootsie Rolls in heaven, but there's definitely going to be uh, Tootsie Roll Pops for sure. Um, no, guys, this is, this is, Peter gets it right. He says, you've got it. 
I want to offer you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he says, hell shall not prevail against it. Um, if, if you kind of grew up Catholic, this, this interaction is really important because this is kind of where they see that Peter becomes the first pope of the Roman Catholic Church. When I read this, here's what I see, that Peter is going to do incredible things with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we read about that in the beginning of the book of Acts where Peter's sharing the gospel. He's sharing this truth and, and thousands of people believe in it all in one moment. And not only do they believe in it, they hear it in their own language. Peter does something supernatural because he has been charged by the God that we follow, that we worship, who empowers us to go and bring that message. That's what happens with Peter. So right here, Peter is recognizing Jesus, you are God. You are God. But I want to read just a few verses later. That was Matthew uh, 16, 15 through 20. Let's read this in verse 22. Because like I said, right after this interaction, Jesus is explaining that yes, he is God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And he's going to die to pay for the sins of the world. He's going to suffer for people and in verse six, or chapter 16, verse 22, Peter uh, says, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Like, that's a bold move right there. You're going to tell Jesus he's wrong. He says, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Guys, think about that. How often, maybe not with our words, but with our actions, do we say, no, Jesus, I think you're wrong. I think, I think you missed it. Like there's this thing happening right here and, and it's really good or it's, it's really bad. And I, I just don't think you saw that. So I'm going to do this thing over here instead. We say, Jesus, you are wrong. And that's exactly what Peter does. In verse 23, it says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. See, like I said, it's going to come around. Peter's not the devil, but Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Verses before this, just a few minutes before this, Peter says, Jesus, you are God. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And he goes, but you should not die for the sins of the people. This should never happen to you. And Jesus responds with, get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. Like this was somebody who had just acknowledged who Jesus really was. And minutes later, says something that is contradictory to that. Oh, you are God, but, but you missed it. I, th I, don't, I don't think you're right, Jesus. That is like by def definition reactionary. Something happens, you hear something, you see something. No, 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 no. Like that's wrong. And you kind of get in your own way. And that's, that's what Peter does. He went from acknowledging that Jesus is the Christ to saying, Jesus, you can't complete your mission. Jesus just tells Peter, get behind me. No, you, you, you listen to me. And Jesus alone has the authority to do that. There, there are so many stories in scripture, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, where we see Peter just kind of speaking out and like, dude, stop, stop. A lot of times Jesus just takes him and he rebukes him. And he's like, dude, you, you, you missed it. You missed it. In the book of Galatians, there's this, Paul is writing to the people of Galatia and Peter had been with them. And this was a Gentile area, meaning they were not Jewish. 
Um, and there were Gentile Christians there. Peter was spending time with them, and, and he was not following Jewish tradition. He was not following Jewish law. And then all of a sudden, this group of Jewish people shows up, and Peter does exactly what he shouldn't do. He gives up on just following after Christ, and he starts spending time with, with the Jewish people and, and trying to be a good and proper Jew. And Paul is saying, dude, you've missed it. You've missed it. Why, why are you holding, holding these people to a different standard than you are these people? That's not what it's about. And Paul rebukes him. He's like, dude, you got to cut that out. Like there's so many of these stories where Peter does something or says something as just a reaction. Oh no, they're here. I got to like, you know, when you're like, you've got friends coming over, or, like family coming over. So you got to clean the whole house. Maybe you guys don't do that, but your mom used to make you do that, right? Like, mom, why does my bedroom have to be clean for Christmas Day? I'm just going to get stuff and throw it in there. Why do I have to clean my bedroom? She's like, well, your grandparents are coming over. Are they going into my room? No, but I want it clean. But, but why? Well, they're coming over. That's a reaction. And it was my mom's house. So I shoved everything under the bed and called it good. Um... We don't really get to just shove stuff under the bed with Jesus and be like, no, Jesus, it's fine. You'll never, you'll never know. That's not how that works. I'm going to read, read one more kind of story um, that happens over the course of a, a few different uh, parts of Scripture. Um, but have you guys heard of the Last Supper? The Last Supper, the big painting with everybody just sitting. Like, I, I really don't think it was like that. Because like nobody be able to talk to Jesus except for the guy like right here and right here, and they be having side conversations like at Olive Garden. Um, but at at the Last Supper, at the Last Supper, Jesus Jesus takes the, the disciples, his closest friends, his, his closest followers, um, hours before his death on the cross. Jesus knows what's coming, and he takes this group of young men, and he says, "Hey guys, um, I need to wash your feet." I, I, want, I want to serve you. I need to wash your feet. Now, um, some of you guys in here probably have great feet. That's kind of a weird thing to say in a sermon. Um, and some of you guys probably not so great feet. I want you to think about first century Palestine um, as, as they're walking around on unpaved roads with no shoes on and there's no indoor plumbing. So you just kind of take what's in the bucket and you pitch it out the window. People's feet are gross. If you were training to be a rabbi, you had to do anything that rabbi told you to do except wash his feet. And Jesus, it says he takes off his, his outer garment and he dons the clothes of a servant. And he tells the disciples, I must wash your feet. He's doing this for two reasons. One, because their feet are gross and he's serving his disciples at this meal. He is physically cleaning their body. But two, there is this symbolic washing away of sins. Jesus says, I need to wash your feet. And Peter says, Jesus, you will never wash my feet. That is beneath you, Jesus. And Jesus responds to him and he says, if I don't wash your feet, then you've got no part of me. What Jesus is saying is, if I don't wash away the dirtiest, most filthy, disgusting parts of you, if I don't make those clean, then there's no relationship really between us because Jesus came to wash away the sins of the earth. That's what Jesus came to do. And then Peter kind of flips, oh, well, Jesus, if you're going to wash my feet, you should like give me a, an entire sponge bath, which is also a really weird thing to say to Jesus. Um, 
<laughs> and Jesus responds to Peter and he goes, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about that, but this is this really intense moment where Peter goes, Jesus, you're never going to wash my feet. Jesus says, I need to wash your feet. He goes, fine, then wash my feet and wash the rest of me too. And he's like, dude, slow down because you're not listening to what I'm saying. Jesus had already warned the disciples that he was going to be crucified. He's already called out the one who's going to betray him, Judas Iscariot. I talked about Judas a couple weeks ago. Like Jesus knows what's coming and he's tried to kind of do everything he can to make the disciples aware of this. And Peter is just not thinking before he speaks. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Fast forward just a couple hours. They had, Jesus had gone, he had prayed, God, if there's any other way, take this cup from before me, but your will be done. And then they go, Judas sells out Jesus. And there's all these guards and Peter's with him. And Peter, instead of being like, yes, Jesus, you told me that you were going to die. Peter pulls out a sword and cuts off this guy's ear. Why? Would you pull out a sword and cut off a soldier's ear? There is no reason to cut off somebody's ear. And Jesus goes, Peter, stop. Stop. This is what has to happen. So then Peter's kind of like hanging out and people are like, hey, Peter, weren't you with that guy, Jesus? And he's like, uh, me? No. Because uh, he was afraid of getting arrested. Hey, weren't you with, weren't you with him? Aren't you one of it? No, 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 not me. You got the wrong guy. And then the third time, the third time, Peter's, no, 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 that's, that's not me. You, you're thinking of somebody else. Mark 14, 72. It says, and immediately the rooster crowed um, and Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. I think some of us may maybe come into wanting to know who God is with, with some experience and saying, God, I have done way too much. I've said things that I can never get back. I've done things. I've, there's no way you could love me. And I've got to imagine that that's where Peter's at right now. Because Jesus said, you are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And he's on the ground weeping. He's crying He's scared for his own life. And what happens after that is, is it's daylight and, and Jesus goes through, through all this suffering and, and the crucifixion and Peter is nowhere to be found. Peter's not there. All the disciples have scattered. They're worried for their own lives. Jesus, you've got to kind of do your own thing now. Peter's nowhere to be found. And we don't see Peter again, actually, until Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And Jesus goes and he, and he interacts with the disciples and he says, hey guys, it's, it's me, it's Jesus, I'm back. He shows them the, the, the scars on his wrists and, 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 oh man, this is Jesus. And it says that Peter's there. Um, it's actually at breakfast time. I don't know why they specify it's at breakfast time, but all scripture is God breathed and is useful for us. Um, and in John chapter 21, 15, it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, I want you guys to pay attention to this. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
And he said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter responds, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, tend my sheep. And verse 17, it says, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says, Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying these things to, say, to him, he says, follow me. Jesus's relationship with Peter began with the words, follow me. And right here we see, we see a welcoming back into Jesus's grace. Peter, follow me. There's three times that Peter denied Jesus. Three times Jesus gave Peter. Peter, an opportunity to repent. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he tells him, take care of my flock. Take care of my people. Go and tell people about me. Guys, I want you to remember, I want you to understand that no matter how many times we say dumb things, we do dumb things, we sin, we fall into these things that how could God ever forgive me? Jesus is ready to respond with grace and forgiveness. There is nothing that we can do that is going to push Jesus so far away where he says, I don't want anything to do with you. No, Jesus came to die on a cross to pay for the sins of the world so that we could have a relationship with God the Father. And here's Peter reacting, oh, no, 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 like that's... It, all these things, and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Why do you keep asking? And I can only imagine that after the third time, because it says this, it says he was grieved because he asked him a third time. After the third time, he's thinking, I denied you three times, and here you are asking three times. And Jesus says, there is grace for every one of those situations where you didn't have faith in me. There is love for every one of those situations where you didn't have faith in me. Peter, follow me. Guys, whatever background you come in here with or whatever mistakes you go out and make tomorrow, you are not separated from the love of God because he sent his son to reconcile us, to bridge that gap, to bring us back into a relationship with him. What we learn about Peter is that God chooses broken, fallible people to work with and to work through and then he takes Peter and he calls him and he says, go and share the gospel. Go and take care of my people. Go and spread the good news of Jesus Christ, that he loved his people. He came and died for us so that this free gift of salvation from sin could be offered to us for free. Well, free gift for free. 
There you go. Write that one down. Guys, God loves us. And every interaction we see between Jesus and Peter is evidence of Peter reacting and doing things and, and getting in his own way. And Jesus saying, hey, you messed up, but there's grace for that. So as we leave here, let's live as people who are under grace. That our mistakes, Jesus knows the mistakes that we're going to make. He knows the failures that we're going to have. And he says, you are my child. When Jesus says, do you love me? And we say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus responds with, come and follow me. That's what he does with, with Peter. And that's what he does with us every single day. And we can live in victory knowing that that is what he has done so that we could have a relationship with God the Father. Let's leave here knowing that and that will change our lives.